Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Monday, June 22nd, we are studying James chapter 2, verses 18 through 26. Today's text brings us to the spot where some would try to pit St. James against St. Paul in Romans 3.28, which we read just a few months ago here on Sharper Iron. St. Paul proclaimed, We hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. But today in James 2.24, we're going to hear St. James say, You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. How can both of these statements be true? Careful attention to the context of each verse, along with the broader context of the entire testimony of God's Word, will make the picture clear. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us returning guest, Pastor Stephen Preuss. Pastor Preuss serves at Trinity Lutheran Church in Vinton, Iowa. Pastor Preuss, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Thanks, good to be back. So, Pastor Preuss, today's text is the the crux of the folks that would try to put St. James, St. Paul against each other. Part of the reason that, that we are reading Romans and James back to back is because of, of this tension that seems to be there. How do we hold these two things together? And we'll come to the verse I mentioned, verse 24 of chapter 2, when we get there. But just as we, we get into the text, the context of James, what he's been doing all along, is going to be very important for us as we try to hold these things together. So give us an introduction. How? What sort of context do we need to know going into this text today? Well, see, uh, James is not, uh, yeah, he doesn't have the same purpose as, as St. Paul uh, in what he's writing here. Uh, so as if we go through James chapter uh, 1, we hear things about how, you know, we should not just be hearers of God's word, but also doers of God's word, uh, and that we should not deceive ourselves in our hearts, uh, thinking that we're religious, uh, that uh, if, if we are not also bridling our tongue, um, there is a pure religion, a religion that has, has works that flow from it, um, a religion that's it's not worthless, as he, he talks about at the end of chapter 1. But then in chapter 2, he, he moves into more of a discussion of not showing any partiality uh, and so having some sort of unfair acts um, toward, toward fellow Christians, especially um, when it comes to the way that we, we live. We live out our, our faith, as we might say. And so right before our text, as we get into things here, uh, we see that he's been talking about... Uh, really keeping the law and what it means to keep the law uh, and how we as Christians can't go about saying we have faith when our, our faith is not producing works like helping those who are in need, right? So you see somebody who's lacking in daily food, they're right before you, and you just say, go, pee, go in peace, be warmed and filled, 
and you don't give them the things that you, they need. Uh, he says, well, what kind, of, what kind of faith is that? So he's trying to show us that, you know, while we are justified through faith in Christ and are pleasing to God through faith in Christ, uh, there's more to our Christian lives than, than only living by, by faith. We might want to say it this way, uh, that we live by faith, uh, but we also live by fervent love toward our neighbor. And so it really does depend on whether we're talking about what we might say justification or sanctification, and those are the kind of things we're going to get into today a little bit more. Um, what, what category of theology are we talking about here? Are we talking about how we're justified before God or justified before the world? Are we talking about, um, you know, what saves us, uh, or are we talking about that which proceeds from and is in, in, included in the life of uh, living out um, your Christian faith? So he, he's very, very much got that kind of a context here in, in the first couple chapters, and, and we're really going to see that come to uh, a real kind of high point here. Mm. Yeah, you asked a question in the in the middle of that, and we'll come to it. But what what kind of faith is that? A paraphrase of what James says in the preceding verses, sixteen and seventeen of this chapter, and that's a key question to answer, and, and we will when James talks about faith here. What faith is he talking about? Is he using that word in the same way that St. Paul uses that word in Romans chapter 3? Same with the word justified, as we will see that word used in this section as well. Is St. James using that word in the same way St. Paul uses that word? And understanding those words in their context, and again, with the whole witness of Scripture, putting it in that, that's going to be important for us, so that we don't just cherry-pick two verses, rip them out of their context and say, oh, look, they contradict each other. No, no, they in fact don't. And and we'll see that as we as we dig into the text. Any more introductory comments before we jump in? No, I, I appreciate the, the talk on the context. I mean, we, we have immediate context and we have, you know, the context of a book and we have the context of, you know, maybe a testament and the whole scripture. And this is the way we're supposed to read the Bible. And we really do have a problem these days with people cherry-picking their favorite verses and then making them mean whatever they want them to mean outside of their context. So th this is maybe an exercise in context for us so that we see, hey, uh, whenever I hear somebody quote a verse and it doesn't sound right according to the whole of what I've learned in the Catechism, maybe I should ask about the context uh, and also ask about the use of a word. How is this word being used? And uh, words are used differently. We know that in everyday common uh, conversation. And so we do need clarifying questions as to how, how is he using that word. And so this is really going to be, I think, a, a good uh, explanation, or, or hopefully I'll give a good explanation, but James does a, a good job himself if we just take him as he, he is. Let's read the text then. James chapter 2, beginning at verse 18. James writes, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, 
Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. That is the text for today, James chapter 2, verses 18 through 26. So, Pastor Preuss, verse 18 really just picks up where James left off in verse 17. He's imagining this conversation, and and the picture that he paints for us is that there is this very, very close connection between faith and works. You, you really can't separate the two. No, you can't, and whether you, you look at it from the side of works, which is where kind of James kind of moves moves backward. He starts with works and, and then shows, you know, the faith. It must be there in order for these works to be genuine. But then also the other side, without without uh, these works, this this faith doesn't doesn't mean anything. And so there, there's uh, what he's effectively saying here in that first verse. Uh, you know, you have faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith apart from your works. But you can't. And that's the whole point. Uh, you cannot show your faith apart from the evidence of works. How else are you going to show it? Uh, and so, and this is something I remember having an elder once tell me, you know, there's got to be some difference between, you know, those who believe and say they believe and don't go to church, for example. He was, he was kind of lamenting this. And, and those who, who believe and, and go to church. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, their, their works are showing that they have faith. They want to receive the word of God. They want to hear it. They want to... They want to receive a sacrament. Now, of course, somebody can fake that, but that uh, that doesn't take away from the fact that faith needs um, to have works that come from it uh, and that flow from it. So he says, I will show my faith by the evidence of my works. That's what I'm going to do. That's the way faith is. Faith manifests itself in works. Faith is, as he ends up saying, active in works. So sometimes people talk about passive faith, which receives justification. We are justified uh, passively, meaning we don't do anything. God does it all. But then from that, we have love, which is you know, faith active in works. So the, the picture we usually use is that faith is like a tree, and the works are like fruit. And we, we Lutherans are certainly good, uh, and we should be, at pointing out that we are not saved by works of the law, but by faith alone. You know, you introduced all of this because you have gone through Romans here. Romans 3.28 is so clear where we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Well, if that weren't good enough, then you look at, look at Galatians 2, where it says we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Right? So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. Uh, or Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This is clear, and we use these clear passages to help us interpret these maybe less clear passages like we have here in, in James. Uh, the central truth, though, we just heard in those, those three passages, uh, is without question that we are justified through faith alone, by God's grace alone, for Christ's sake alone. And uh, we, we want to keep that there as a, a, the truth, the central truth of scriptures and of the Lutheran confession. But we also, we don't need to leave this out, 
we also need to rebuke any idea that faith is alone. Uh, we confess this in our Lutheran confessions. Uh, for example, in the formula of Concord, we say good works always follow justifying faith and are surely found with it if it is true and living faith. And it says explicitly, faith is never alone, but always has love and hope with it. So uh, faith always produces works. Um, sometimes there are more, sometimes there are less. We hear about that in Scripture to the 30, you know, 40, 100-fold, whatever it is. Um, and so we we have always confessed this. We are, are looked at in the Lutheran Church as if we only teach faith alone, but not also works that flow from faith and are active with faith. And what I like to use to teach the, the truth that works cannot be separated from faith and faith cannot be separated from works was, was Luther's, you know, among his favorite hymns, Salvation unto us has come. So this hymn, we should all know, it's 555 in Lutheran service book, but it's uh, among the greatest of Lutheran hymns up there with your Christian one and all rejoice. I mean, you should just know this hymn. It's a great one. The first stanza, Salvation unto us has come by God's free grace and favor. Good works cannot avert our doom. They help and save us never. Faith looks to Jesus Christ alone, who did for all the world atone. He is our one Redeemer. And so we say that we are... We are justified by faith, by God's grace. But then in stanza 9, we say faith clings to Jesus' cross alone and rests in him unceasing, and by its fruits, true faith is known, with love and hope increasing. For faith alone can justify, works serve our neighbor and supply the proof that faith is living. So the idea that we Lutherans don't teach also, that we should have good works that flow from our faith and are active with our faith is preposterous, according to our hymnody, also according to the Oxford Confession and the rest of the Lutheran Confessions. We have it, we even, we even talk about it in our Lutheran Confessions, where we are often accused, right, of not, of not teaching this. So uh, you can't separate the two, but you do need to have them in their proper place. Here, James is saying, uh, he's talking more about the that, that faith that is actually faith is going to produce these works. And somebody who says he has faith and is not producing any of the works uh, that God has given for us to be living you know, in our lives uh, is, is showing by that that his faith is, is really dead. And and I think then the the next move that James makes is that not only is he showing his faith is dead, he's showing what kind of faith he actually has. That he's using that that word faith is being used not in the sense of saving faith, but it's a different sort of faith, a faith that produces no works, is not the saving faith that. Paul talks about, and it's not the saving faith that James is going to talk about, but it's a different kind of faith. It's actually the faith of, of demons, which is a, a rather scary yeah. thought. It sure is. You, you, we, we talk about this in our confessions, too, that uh, this is a, an old distinction when it comes to faith, that there's uh, what we call knowledge, and then assent, and then trust. And so... When it comes to knowledge, anybody can have knowledge, uh, historical knowledge of Jesus having died on the cross, right? You don't need to be a believer in order to have that sense of uh, that, that knowledge. You need an assent to the truthfulness of it all and still not, not have true faith. And so uh, we want to be careful here because, I mean, it is good to believe those truths, to have 
that. That's part of faith is to have this knowledge. And that grows as we, we get older. It doesn't depend on all of the knowledge. I mean, an infant probably has very little, right, and grows in that, but he has trust. Uh, and so we want to make sure we don't say that this his, history, uh, the knowledge of history uh, of what Christ has done for us is somehow not a part of faith. No, it is. Um, and so he gives the example, you know, that they say that God is one. Well, this is good. That's the Shema of Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hero is for the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Um, and we confess this in the Nicene Creed, right, that we believe in one God. And if, if uh, you know, on Trinity Sunday, we, we confess uh, the Athanasian Creed, which talks about us having one God as well. Uh, this is a very clear teaching in the Christian church uh, against those who, especially in those days, there would be polytheistic religions. Um, we believe in one God. We believe in a triune God. There's three persons in one God, but we believe in one God. That's a good thing to say. And Jesus says this is part of the greatest commandment, right? Um, uh, that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. So the problem is not that you would have this knowledge or that you would assent to the truthfulness of it either. Uh, so it's not with the confession itself, but if it's just that, if it's just bare knowledge, then the confession does not come to proper expression within the Christian life. Uh, that's a useless faith, right? It doesn't have that trust, what the, the theologians call this fiducia, right? This, this trust. It's, you, you have a, a real, uh, like a baby with his mother trust and desiring the pure milk of the word we, we will sing in, in the liturgy. Uh, it's a useless faith without that. And he says, yeah, it's like the faith of the demons. And he says, you know, they shudder. I like to always remind us that if we, if we have, have that kind of faith, that it's just like demons, that should cause us to shudder too, that we would think upon God with such a, an empty faith that just, oh, yeah, I know. I know that, that truth that's true, okay, that's all it means to have faith. No, no, faith is living. And one of the, the uh, parts of uh, Luther that is well worth memorizing, or at least part of it, is what Luther says about faith and good works and how faith does produce good works. And he says, oh, it is a living, busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. It is impossible for it not to be doing good works incessantly. It does not ask whether good works are to be done, but before the question is asked, it has already done them and is constantly doing them. Whoever does not do such works, however, is an unbeliever. He gropes and looks around for faith and good works, but knows neither what faith is nor what good works are. Yet he talks and talks with many words about faith and good works. So, again, we don't believe in a faith that is just historical knowledge or a sense of the truthfulness of everything that Scripture says. But we believe uh, that there is a faith that God gives that is trust in him, a trust that then results in good works, uh, like, again, a, a good tree that produces good fruit. And, and that's what Luther taught, that's what the Lutheran Confessions teach, and it's because that's what Scriptures teach, and it's what James is trying to teach us here in, in verses 19 and 20. Mm. I, this, is a, this is a key thing to see here in this text as to how James is talking about faith, that he's, he is, when he talks about faith, he's speaking against this faith that is only some kind of historical knowledge or only some kind of assent. And again, as you said very well, we're not speaking 
poorly of those things. The historical knowledge concerning what Christ has done, familiarizing ourselves with the content of the Holy Scriptures, recognizing that these things are true, that's, that's key for the Christian life. But that's not the end of it. There's the trust. And, and so recognizing what James is talking about here and what he's got in view that he's speaking against and bringing people out of, that's, that's so important as we continue to read where he's going to talk about faith and works and the relationship between them. Before we, before we move into that and the examples that he uses, Pastor Preuss, in, in verse 20, James, James says, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless or, or worthless? What, in what sense is faith apart from works worthless or or useless and i've got i mean this is what uh, i've got two things in mind one on the one hand it's it's useless because it's not actually a saving faith it's only the faith of demons and also maybe just thinking in terms of the larger context of james it's it's useless because it it doesn't love your neighbor it doesn't show forth the love that christ has shown so it's it's useless in in two senses what do you what do you think no that's absolutely right that's that's why it's useless it's and he'll start. He'll get to this when he talks about Abraham about the goal, or or that faith being complete. Um, the, the idea that God just gave us faith so that we can, as well, as one of my professors would say, just we just like to sit there and be forensically justified all day, right? And it's just, well, yes and no. We 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 are. We certainly are. We are just. That is, we're declared righteous. That's what he means by that. That we are declared righteous through through the word of God. Uh, through faith in that word, we, we are justified before God um, because we cling to Christ's righteousness. And uh, thanks be to God for that. And so, but if you do, again, it's going to naturally, it's going to be living, busy, active, and mighty. It's going to do good works incessantly. It's not going to want to stop because it's going to see. I mean, if we want to think it through, when you see, for example, let's take a husband. Uh, St. Paul does this in, in Ephesians 5. He talks about how the husband uh, is to look to Christ, who is the husband to his bride, the church, and what did he do for her? He sacrificed himself for her, right? And he presented her before himself as holy. Okay, well, I just heard a wonderful truth of the gospel there, didn't I? But I also heard what I, as a husband, am then given to do for my wife, and and by faith in that promise of what Christ has done for me and the whole church, I then have this new desire to love my neighbor, and who's the closest neighbor to me, but, but my wife. And, you know, and that's just the example of a husband. You could go on with, with the rest of the, the three estates in the, in the church, in the state, in the governor, in the home. But what it does teach us is that there is, these are strong words. He calls them foolish person, and then that uh, their works are useless. And, and I would point this out to not only is it not helping your neighbor, but on the last day when Jesus, and this will maybe get us into what we're going to get into uh, with the next couple of examples that he gives, on the last day, Jesus isn't going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. He's not going to say, come, inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. He's not going to say, you know, I was hungry and you fed me kind of stuff, because you didn't do it in faith, even if you did do these works outwardly. So maybe just add that to what, what you said. Mm-hmm. Right. So 
one one more thought before we get into the examples. These and well, maybe this does get us into the examples to a degree. These works that James is talking about. We've just got a couple minutes here on this side of the break, Pastor Price. These works. What what works is he talking about? Because I I think we tend to default when it comes to good works. We think of works given in the second table, the law, the love that I show to my neighbor. And we sometimes forget that there's commandments concerning how we love God. And maybe I'm tipping my hand already. <laughs> what what works is he talking about here? Yeah, he. I mean, the works that we are given to do are the works that are, are according to God's eternal law. Uh, and there is an eternal law, contrary to what some uh, recently are trying to say. The eternal law is the love of God and the love of neighbor. It is expressed uh, in the Ten Commandments, uh, par excellence, you might say. And uh, we are to look to God above all things. We are to uh, use his name as he has given it to be used and to find rest in the word of Christ. Uh, we are, you know, that's the first table of the law. And the second table, of course, we would include with that. I, I'll say this, too, about the context. Uh, what he's just talked about and not showing partiality and, and then talking about actually helping your neighbor, there seems to be a little bit of a commentary almost on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount mm -hmm. in that he is showing them that Jesus said these things and and we ought to remember how Jesus has has clarified the law for us, that he has fulfilled the law, that he is the end, the goal of the law for all who believe for justification. But having removed the curse of the law, he's also removed the coercion of the law. We not freely want to do the things that God has given us to do according to our, our new man within us. And and so, um, yeah, it is a, a good reminder here that you, you give us as we... we kind of head into these two examples. And we will pick up those examples on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. Please stick around. Since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and her workers. Thanks to faithful investors, LCEF has provided thousands of church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations with the low-cost loans and resources they need to reach more people with the saving name of Christ. To learn more, visit lcef.org or call 800-843-5233, 800-843-5233. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Monday, June 22nd, and we are studying James chapter 2, verses 18 through 26 with Pastor Stephen Preuss. Pastor Preuss serves at Trinity Lutheran Church in Vinton, Iowa. Pastor Preuss, prior to the break, we got up to where James is going to begin to give us some examples now of making his point that faith is seen in works. So the first example is Abraham, and this is going to be a key one for us to look at, because 
Paul uses Abraham too to make the point that you're justified apart from works. It seems that James is going to use the very same example from the scripture, some of the same verses that Paul even quotes, and and try to make a different point or the opposite point it looks like. So there's plenty to unpack here in the example of Abraham. Get us started. Yeah, you know, it really shows you how tightly faith and works are connected for, for them to be quoting the same verse there and, and just kind of popped in my head as you were saying that, but we'll get to that here in a second. Uh, yeah, in, these, in, in verses 21 to 25, there are two examples from the past of how faith apart from works is useless, as, as James calls it. Uh, if you look back at verses 14 to 17, though, he gives examples of how our present works prove our faith in Christ. And those present works also point to the future judgment. They're, they very much line up with Matthew 25 when Jesus separates the sheep from the goats. So here he's, he's kind of moving us from the present to uh, familiar past proofs. Right? So these, the Jews who would be hearing this letter would readily understand the two examples that he's going to give of Abraham and Rahab. And Abraham, we start with, he was justified by works, he says. I mean, look at the text. Don't try to squirm around it. Uh, you see what it says. It says that was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? And the answer he wants is not, oh, no, he wasn't. Uh, it was, yes, he was. And so in what way was he? Well, in the sense that he was shown to be righteous. So usually we think of the, the term to justify, uh, to, to be declaring righteous, like in Paul's letter. Again, we, we've heard these wonderful passages where we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And he repeats himself, Galatians, Ephesians, these are, these are very common. Uh, but you can also look at it not only as one who is justified uh, how am I justified before God, but also how does the world know that I am justified? So in the sense here, it, it means uh, to shown to be righteous. Okay, so uh, it's evident from the context that he's trying to show that, that this is the way we should be reading it. It's also from the language. We can't always see it in the English, but James does use a different preposition, one that means out of faith uh, rather than uh, out of works rather than by or, 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 or through uh, faith. Um, so he, the way he puts it, it's, uh, I won't get into the detail, but he does use a different term there. Uh, the point we want to make here is, uh, and this is how, how uh, one of uh, uh, Dr. David Scare puts in his book on, on James. For Paul, the question is, how do I know that I am justified? Right? Through faith in Christ, who is my redemption. He atoned for my sins by blood on the cross. He he paid the righteous wrath, the uh, punishment of God's wrath against sin for me. Uh, I am justified through faith in Christ, who is my righteousness. But for James, that's not his question. His question is, how does the world know that I am justified? Uh, and the reason we know that this is the case uh, is because we already know that Abraham was declared righteous by faith. This is actually, if you are on the historic lectionary, this is going to be the Old Testament lesson for Sunday, that Abraham was declared righteous by, by faith, and he quotes it here. He was, Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. What was? His faith. 
right? So we already know this. And even the call from uh, the Lord for Abraham to be uh, the one to be the, the first patriarch uh, is a way for us to see that he's declared righteous by faith. But certainly here in Genesis 15, verse 6. So, but this justifying faith was active. And the example that he gives is with Isaac in Genesis 22, where the Lord had asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son, and Abraham goes and, and does the three-day journey, and he goes, and he goes to do it, and he is about to do it uh, when the angel stops him from doing it, uh, saying that he now sees that he fears God, which fearing God is uh, part and parcel with faith and trust in God, uh, as we see in the Psalms. And so uh, that's what he sees there. I see that you have faith in God. Um, and so we see that Abraham's already existing faith is not active along with works. So his faith was that God would restore Isaac back to life. We hear that uh, if he had completed the sacrifice. We hear that in Hebrews 11. And uh, that, that justifying faith that he has in the promise uh, that God has declared him righteous and that he will have this, this uh, son who will uh, save him, uh, that this is, this is why he's now doing these, these this seemingly just terrible work uh, that doesn't seem like it's helping a neighbor at all, but seems to be doing the exact opposite, yet his faith in the Lord uh, proves true in this. So he's got this justifying faith that is active. Um, now, with that in mind, it, it, it's not defective, uh, this justifying faith. It, it, it seems as if people might say, well, if, it, if this justifying faith is completed, as it says, faith was completed by his works, that must mean it wasn't, wasn't good enough until he did this great work. And then God decided, okay, now I know that Abraham believes. Well, no, the, the Lord knew that Abraham believed. It wasn't for the Lord that he did this. It was for Abraham's sake that to strengthen his faith through this test. But faith was completed by his works means that by works, faith is brought to the goal for which it was intended. Right? God didn't just create us anew so that we could just sit there and, and gaze at our our justified being and just do nothing. No, he, like a tree bearing fruit, it's natural um, and it's unforced to, to bear fruit uh, and we mature. And, and that's the way that uh, it is for the works of the Christian. So it, it, it's not that he had a defective justifying faith at all, uh, but his faith met its goal in that he, he was created anew for good works, as St. As Paul actually says in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, that we are created for these good works. Um, and it's, it's not a contradiction. We are justified through faith in Christ, uh, but then we, we have this faith active in love, um, love toward God in this instance, uh, and, and showing that, uh, that this is a true faith. Um, I don't know if you want to jump in here before I keep on going. Yeah, let me, let me pause real quick. So I, I like the way that you framed the context— and I, you're exactly right to frame the context this way, that Paul is asking the question, how do I know that I'm justified? James is asking the question, how does the world know that I'm justified? And 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 to use that then to understand the word justified here in James, not to be declared righteous, but to be shown to be righteous. And just so that we're not, like, think people don't think we're just making this up, well, look at what James just said in verse 18. Show me your faith, right? We're talking about the way that the faith is seen by others. And so we're not making this up. It, it is there in the context. I guess the 
the struggle that comes with that distinction. Paul asks the question, how do I know I'm justified? James says, how does the world know that I'm justified? I think the struggle is in the, the pastoral use or in the not just the pastoral use, but the Christian use of this. How do I how do I use these? And sometimes we we mix these things up, I think. And that's that's where the trouble is, where I I want to look at my works and know that I'm justified. Does James give me the license to do that? Can I, should I, can I look at my good works and say, well, yes, I see this as fruit and evidence of the justifying faith that is there. Certainly, I think it can be taken too far, but is there is there a place where I can look at my works and say, yes, this is fruit of faith and take some comfort in that? Well, I, I would I would say yes with, with an asterisk, <laughs> just so that we're careful, because uh, we we certainly look faith looks to Christ alone, right, for justification before God. But uh, as far as the way that we we justify whether we are living Christian lives, um, I mean, we we have to look to see whether we are bearing the fruit uh, that God has given for us to bear. And when we, when we see that it's not there, we, we need to point that out and we need to repent. But when we see it is there, I'll maybe put it in, in this way, rather than looking to myself and saying, oh, look at all these works that I'm doing, I'll just give maybe a reference that when a parishioner dies who has been in church, who uh, I, I could be at the deathbed with at, at maybe, and I, I heard them confessing the creed or, or, or living you know, with their mouthing the, the Lord's prayer as they're dying. That's a work, right? Prayer. That's the second commandment, praying toward God. And I see her doing it in front of her, her children, some of whom have, have lapsed and are no longer uh, practicing Christian. And I see this work, and I say to myself, my goodness, she's proving her faith. She's showing her faith. And I'm able to comfort the family, uh, the bleeding family especially, uh, that, that she's in heaven. She's with Christ upon her death, and that she, she, her body awaits the resurrection. And so, I mean, I just use that as an example because we do show our faith, and it is a comfort to others uh, when, I mean, I, I'm very comforted. Uh, I will say this, when I see, when I have a funeral where maybe it's somebody who's not as, as, as uh, faithful, uh, doubts come into my, my mind. And uh, why are we getting occasion for that? Uh, we shouldn't be. And uh, yeah, people can fake it. We know that. But that's, that's not the point. The point is that these works can be a very comforting uh, when we, we're able to see that they are fruits of faith, that they do them not because they are trying to be Pharisees and, and, and self-righteous and earn a righteousness before God, but because they know they can't do that, because they confess their sins and then confess Christ and then seek to love their neighbor uh, and, and cling to Christ and in in, in their Father in heaven in the midst of everything. So I don't know. That's one example of it. I don't know if you wanted to maybe uh, go a different direction, but it's a hard thing to talk about because our, our faith is not supposed to be looking at our work. Some people will use Matthew 25 as an example that, you know, when Jesus says, oh, look at these things that you did for me, and they're like, when did we do these things for you, Jesus? And uh, he says, whenever you did it to the least of these, my brothers. 
Um, some people try to draw that out. Others don't like that. But, I mean, it kind of, kind of makes sense that, yeah, we know we're doing these good works that are in line with God's will. But the reason we're doing them is not to please God to earn his favor, but to please God because he's already pleased with us through Christ, his well-pleasing son. Now, I, I didn't necessarily have a, another direction to go. I, I appreciate your answer. It's just a, it's a it's a very challenging thing because there are there are times where Christians need to hear what James is saying here. That look where where are the works? Why aren't the works there? If you say you have faith, where are the works? But we don't yeah. want to preach. I mean, that, that's obviously it needs to be preached because James preaches it. It's right here, and and James isn't alone in preaching it. I I think you can see all this in in Saint Paul. You certainly see it in the Lord Jesus. Right? It's it's all over the scriptures that the works need to be there. But how how do you keep it from going too far? I guess, and this is the struggle I think that that we have as Lutherans, and maybe the reason why why James sometimes does make us uncomfortable, but but I, like like you said, we can't squirm around this text. We need this text. I think the challenge is, is using it correctly and, and not forgetting the foundation, as you said, that faith looks to Christ. How, how to do that as a Christian on my own and as a pastor for, for those who have been entrusted to my care, that's, I guess that's, that's where Luther and Walther both would tell us that distinguishing law and gospel is the highest art a, a Christian can have and can only be given by it, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it, it is, and it's also done within the context of all of Scripture. And, I mean, we're told in 2 Timothy 3.16 that Scripture is useful or profitable, right? So here James is talking about work or useless works, and St. Paul talks about useful Scripture— He's about to, uh, James is about to use two of their uses, two examples, right? Abraham, Rahab, both useful. What is Scripture useful for, though? St. Paul says it's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be completed, equipped for every good work. Sounds great. Sounds like James would totally agree with that. And that's because I think sometimes we Lutherans get into this law gospel and we forget that it's within the context of teaching, within the context of reproof, within the context of correction, within the context of training in righteousness. Just make sure that you're distinguishing law and gospel in each of these things that Scripture is useful, profitable for. And uh, I think that we have, uh, maybe in general, done a bad job of this lately. And we need to return to, to a proper way of teaching good works, where we do not lose the centrality of justification through faith alone for Christ's sake, while at the same time not losing what James is saying here, what, what one theologian called a public justification, right, before the world, um, that we, we show that we actually believe what we believe. I mean, we get a lot of examples, right? Scripture's the example, but I mean, if I say I love my wife, but then I don't want to spend any time with her, and I don't tell her I love her, well, I mean... But I don't, <laughs> and we all know that. And so why don't allow the faking of it uh, in the church either? And they'll say, oh, we're all sinners. Well, no, yeah, but we're not all unrepentant sinners, mm. and, and that's a big deal. And so use law gospel within that context. I think of Second Timothy 3.16 is a verse that has been thrown around by a lot of us uh, lately. Uh, John Gerhardt 
uh, certainly uh, made a big deal of that in his method of theological study. And uh, I think that this is a big issue. It's why you're bringing it out. I think you you know it, I know it, and, and the Lutheran Church is, is struggling with this right now. Right, right. So to, to help us stick with, keep in to the text and keep going with the text, I, I think we, we're, we're looking here again at the example of Abraham, and and he's bringing out a couple of the texts that Paul brings out, that Genesis 15 text. He uses Genesis 22, the sacrifice of, of Isaac. Keep going, particularly we want to make sure we get to verse 24, because that's that's where the language seems to be completely opposite. Well, the language is, I think, completely opposite, but the teaching, we want to say that the teaching goes together with what Paul says. It seems that they're saying the opposite. How do these things go together? We've already started to lay some of the foundation. I'll just remind us, again, what is that type of faith that James is speaking against? He's speaking against the type of faith that the demons have, that knowledge and assent without trust— that type of faith is not the the type of faith that justifies. So, Pastor Preuss, with with that, continue get us especially to verse twenty four in the example of Abraham. Sure. Well, he we we touched on how Scripture was fulfilled, uh, and it seems kind of off because if you look at him as thinking that we're justified by faith before God uh, through our works, then you're not going to understand this. But he James does believe we're justified by faith. Uh, apart from works of the law, when it comes to before God, um, how am I justified before God? But when it comes to the way we are before the world, he's going to have something different to say. So he quotes exactly what Paul quotes. Abraham believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness. He's called a friend of God. And so uh, this demonstrated this faith. Uh, he, he demonstrated this faith by his faithful work. And so Abraham was justified before the sacrifice took place, but the sacrifice proved it, right? It vindicated God justifying him uh, and showed that, yes, he is righteous uh, through faith, yes, but also he has made a beginning in his, his righteousness and his works as well. Uh, so God made him his friend, justification by faith alone, and then Abraham showed that he believed it and considered himself God's friend. And that gets us into this justification um, referring to being shown to be righteous, right? Just like we see in that final judgment that I've mentioned a couple times, that Jesus says that, you know, I was hungry and you fed me, and when did we do this? The sheep say, well, whenever you did this, the least of these my, my brethren. He's talking about works, but he gives them the inheritance by the fact that they are, are righteous, uh, by faith. So Jesus will. He will. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but, but we will know. Jesus will point out Abraham's work as proof of his justification by faith. A faith that is without works, like the demons then, uh, is not the kind of faith alone that we want on the Day of Judgment. The kind of faith alone we want on the Day of Judgment is that our faith looks to God for his favor only through Christ's righteousness and his works. Uh, But then that as we work in our lives and are active in our faith, those works God will mention. Everything else that's sinful, he'll forgive. And it was, as far as the East is from the West, there will be no, no thought of it. But by his grace, and again, by his grace, he will count those works that Abraham did uh, as, as good in his sight. Um, not as contributing toward his salvation, but most certainly as good. I've, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. It's not like God stopped, was stopped, stopped being pleased with the works of the Ten Commandments when Jesus died on the cross and justified us by his blood. He still loves the law. 
it's just it's fulfilled in Christ for us. And now here we are, given the Holy Spirit a new nature. We struggle against our old man, put him to death, and rise to do these works, not for our salvation, but because they honor God and they are for the good of our neighbor. And that's that's uh, the way we do it. So um, I don't know if we want to get into Rahab, or do we want to— yeah, No, that, that, was, that, was, that was very well said, Pastor Preuss, and I think you summarized it very nicely there for us when it came to verse 24, so that, that we are able to hold on to all these things together as the totality of God's Word— Paul and James don't contradict each other. But yeah, we, we want to look at Rahab. And, and, and Rahab, Paul does not use Rahab, I don't think, anywhere in his writings as, a, as an example of, of faith or works either. And uh, some of us are going to be familiar with Rahab, but but maybe she's a, a hair, she's certainly more obscure than Abraham. So yeah, how is James using Rahab? What do we need to know about her? Why does James bring her up? Sure. Uh, well, Rahab is, again, another example of how um, justified by works, she's very justified by works in the sense that she was shown to be righteous. So she already had faith in Christ. Uh, she was uh, declared righteous by faith. We know this from Joshua, too. Uh, she says, so the story of, of Rahab is that Joshua sends two spies into Jericho, and she's going to end up um, saving them. She hides them from the people who are going to you know, to maybe capture them and uh, under the the uh, bundles of flax up on the roof and then let them out through uh, the window before they end up coming. And so we hear her say, though, I know that the Lord has given you this land. And she talks about how we have heard how the Lord had dried up the water of the Red Sea and so forth. Uh, and, and then it says, she says at the very end, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. She shows already that she has faith by her confession. So she's declared righteous by faith as all of Scripture justifies. But her justifying faith was active, just like Abraham's was. She hid the two messengers sent by Joshua to spy out Jericho, and she helped them escape by a rope through the window. And so in Hebrews 11, we see this, just like in Hebrews 11, we see Abraham. Um, they very much pair together. So if you want to go look at Hebrews 11, what it says about Abraham and Rahab, that can help you out a little bit. But Rahab, just to know a little bit about her, she was not only a Gentile, but she was also a prostitute, a harlot. So um, this is a really, I mean, Abraham, you tell a bunch of Jews, you know, hey, Abraham was justified by, by faith and his, war, and his works uh, publicly. Um, so is Rahab, right? And so it's, it's quite a, a rebuke and a correction to them that She's a prostitute and a Gentile, and, and they have a place in God's plan of salvation. In fact, Rahab being the, what is she, the, the mother of Boaz, who marries Ruth, she, she's a part of the genealogy of Jesus. So uh, remember that, right? Jesus, if you think your family's got, you know, uh, a line that isn't completely pure, well, neither does Jesus, so don't worry about that. He purifies it all through, through his uh, holiness uh, and his life and death and resurrection. Um, and so the Jews to whom Jesus is writing have no excuse not to help the poor, as he had been talking about in, in uh, verses 15 to 16, when Rahab is helping these two poor spies. Here, this prostitute Gentile who's justified by faith, just like the Jews are justified by faith, the Gentiles are justified by faith, everyone is justified by faith in Christ, but that is before God. So, too, are we justified uh, publicly before the world by the works that we do according to God's law of love. And Rahab, the prostitute Gentile, is doing this 
And so you Jews, as James would say, why are you not doing this? And so too for us as Christians today to remember this, that this is how God would have us live, have with faith that's not dead, that's not just knowledge in a sense, but acting in uh, this love, uh, active with this love. Uh, one thing I'd also point out about both these examples is that they involve trial. Uh, and, and, and that's something that we should all remember, that our faith is tested through trials. And we're certainly all going through one right now, in one way or another. An act of faith will show itself most clearly in times of all trial, fear, and need. So how are we going to, in faith, continue to cling to God, right, like Abraham did, and do something that seems so contrary, right? Sacrificing not only your only son, but the son of promise, through whom the whole world is supposed to be saved. How can I do such a thing? Well, he does it anyway in faith. He does this work, and so too uh, Rahab does this work, um, even though it doesn't seem like uh, she should be included. But that's the way we should look at us. We might not seem like we are should be included among Christians because we know our sin. Uh, we might not uh, think that you know it's going to go all that well if we're clinging to Christ's word and sacrament um, because there are other things going on. But no, no, these are the works that show our faith is alive and that our faith is, is active. It's clinging to Christ and his word and his body and blood and, and the promise of our baptism. It is, and it is looking to our neighbor and seeing what need they have uh, and how we can help them as Christ has helped us. Pastor Preister, there's so many things that I, I want to say, but but we're running very short on time. We got like a minute left, and I want you to be able to talk briefly on verse 26 because because it seems verse 26 really wraps things up for us and and draws James' whole argument to a conclusion. So with with just a minute, take us into verse 26, wrap things up. So verse 26 says, "For as the body apart from the spirit or breath is dead." So also faith apart from works is dead. So an absence of works is like an absence of breath. And breath is just a better translation than spirit here. Um, here's the analogy. You can have a person lying on a couch who looks alive, right? And you walk up to him expecting him to be alive, and you know he's not breathing. And that's how you know that he's dead. And so, too, you notice dead faith when works are absent, right? Breath proves life, but it doesn't cause it either. Right? And similarly, works prove faith, but do not cause it. And so what causes faith? It is the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ that creates faith. We are justified through Christ's blood. And works then flow from that faith. Pastor Stephen Preuss is the pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Vinton, Iowa, helping us this morning with James chapter 2, verses 18 through 26. Pastor Preuss, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.